HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Do you need a CPA that you can trust with all your taxes and financial needs? Look no further than Joanne Flash Fleming at Fleming & Associates CPA. For more info, go to flashfleming.com or email Joanne directly at j-o-a-n-n-f-l-e-m-i-n-g at flashfleming.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to be listening. And please reach out if you have any questions for me or if you have any guest suggestions. I'm still looking to interview an astronaut, if anybody listening knows an astronaut. So uh, let me know. Harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com is how to reach me. Today is episode 64 of Feast Your Ears, and I'm really, really excited to have Brian Mayer here in the studio with me to talk about butchering, education, fatherhood, and wherever else the conversation goes. Brian's the head of butchery education for Fleischer's Craft Butchery, headquartered in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Uh, Fleischer's has five locations throughout New York and Connecticut, reaching as far north as Kingston, New York, uh, and then up into Greenwich and Westport in Connecticut, and then locations in Brooklyn and... Upper East Side. Did I get them all, Brian? You got them all, yeah. Great. Uh, they're growing steadily, and Brian's pretty busy, so I'm glad he was able to take some time out today to come in the studio. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for having me. I, I feel like I'm uh, I'm in the club now, here at Heritage. <laughs> so, yeah, slightly less interesting maybe than an astronaut. So, uh, I don't know but, about uh, that. I mean, that's part of the interest, right? If I interview an astronaut, he might not, you know, might not be actually that interesting. We'll see. I mean, fair enough. In 2009, you were in Men's Health Magazine as having the uh, coolest job in America. Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> That wasn't how that was supposed to go. Oh, yeah. So, I thought yeah. it was a pretty good article. I mean, yeah. your beard was a little shaggy in the photos. You know, but. yeah, I, I was checking off all the boxes. Tattoos, check. Beard, check. I don't think I dropped enough F-bombs or something like that. Sure. So maybe I could have done a better job at that. But yeah. 
Well, so when you meet people and introduce yourself and say what you do, you know, what do you, what do you do? How do you describe your job? Uh, I'm a butcher, but I guess over the last, you know, few years, I kind of worked in teacher and educator as that's something that I've done, um, for quite a while now since, uh, since I've been at Fleischer's, I've, I'm, this is my second time round right, right. at Fleischer's. So the uh, the first time that I that I <laughs> went up there, I went up to sort of formalize this training program. So there were there were two people uh, that kind of went through this sort of hodgepodge of training. There, right. was, there was Tom Island, yep. and then there was me, uh, and I came back to to down to Brooklyn. And, uh, and you were working at Provisions, at and the I time, was at Provisions. Right? Yeah, I yeah. walked in there during their construction phase and uh, was looking for a career change and to do something different. And uh, um, I had always loved to be around food and cook, and and uh, so thought that might be something interesting. And they were foolish enough to hire me with no experience. Uh, for those of you listening who may not live in New York, uh, Green Great Provisions is a great grocery store uh, in Fort Greene. Um, and they they do kind of, uh, they have a, a whole animal butcher program that you sort of spearheaded, right? Yeah, and yeah. Me and a, and a couple of really awesome coworkers. We were a really great crew of uh, just really food enthusiasts, yeah. I guess you could call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then from there, you went on to uh, to work at Kensington Quarters in Philly. Yeah, right? so I, uh, um, uh, me and a, a co-worker of mine, Shiloh, uh, developed this formalized uh, training program at Fleischer's. Uh, and then somewhere around 2012, I, I got the itch to do something on my own. Uh, my girlfriend was from, uh, is from the Philadelphia area. So we headed down there and, and uh, met a met uh, my uh, my former business partner and uh, kind of pitched to him the idea of this uh, restaurant butcher shop classroom space kind of educational facility and uh, did that for a little while and and, and got my butt kicked a little bit by the restaurant is which <laughs> is a rough one and then um and yeah and just sort of uh, all the while there uh, working with a lot of farmers consulting um um, getting my hands dirty, raising livestock, uh, teaching a lot more, um, and then slowly made my way back to New York. New York, as many times I've left a few times, and it just it, it just keeps calling me back. There's like a a siren song here, you know. So. Well, and you grew up in New York, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so that, then you came back to New York um, yeah. to work at Fleischer's round two, round two, um, yeah. and to really sort of I think create and and push forward the education there right yeah we really we really doubled down uh, for lack of a better term on on education so education uh within our shops as we were growing and really trying to create the environment where we had uh expert butchers behind the counter uh dispensing advice and and all that sort of stuff uh and then uh the public facing classes right which is sort of uh, uh really key to creating customers and and uh Sending out, uh, you know, uh, our ambassadors, if you will, the, yeah. the trainees that come through the program, uh, which is, you know, as you know, has uh, extended across the states, uh, yep. overseas. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys really do. You do. You get around. Um, not only not only does Fleischer's host uh, classes in their Red Hook facility, uh, also in their Greenwich shop. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in Connecticut. Uh, Brian has been teaching some classes at the Brooklyn Kitchen. Yeah. Um, you just did something at Stone Barns. Yep. Uh, during the blizzard. A couple yeah, weeks ago. during the blizzard. We, uh, you know, it, we, I've always had the, I have a Subaru. And uh, I've always had this want for, you know, Subaru to, like, look at what we do in the meat world. You know, it's all cuddly with sure, dogs sure. and putting, you know, bushels of apples in there. But uh, we threw a we threw a shoulder of beef in the Subaru in the middle of a snowstorm and drove up to Stone Barns. And Sophie, our director of marketing, captured it all. And so far, Subaru hasn't come calling. So well, Subaru, if you're listening... Fleischer's, Fleischer's yeah. is ready to work with you on meat, a whole butchering. Meat, is, meat, meat can be part of a healthy environment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more than gasoline. I don't know. We could, that's a whole separate yeah. conversation, maybe. Yeah, it wasn't a hybrid Subaru. <laughs> yeah. so, anyway. uh, and what led you into, into butchering? I mean, it, it sounds like you know, a, a lot of people end up, I think, behind the butcher counter coming out of the restaurant world, mm-hmm. wanting more regular hours. Um, but it sounds like your path was a little bit different. Yeah, I, w- I was just looking for a career change, and I kind of fell into it. I, uh, um, I was in the finance world for like a minute. I have a degree in economics and finance, which means nothing other than like maybe at some point I was okay with opening up a book and studying. <laughs> uh, and that lasted about six months, but I'd always been a musician. Uh, and at that time, I was very fortunate to have a band that got signed and lived that dream for a minute, but then kind of worked my way around the, the music industry, uh, worked in production companies, uh, worked for major labels and that sort of thing. And then that got very hard. Uh, as as it uh, as it does sometimes, and had a brief stint in advertising as a copywriter, which was not my thing either. Uh, <clears throat> and at the time, you know, I had friends that uh, were chefs and had restaurants, and they graciously would let me come in and and perform my own form of therapy right. uh, sure. <laughs> on their lines. And uh, thought maybe I'd go to culinary school, and they said, "No, don't do that." Like. You know, and uh, I was walking around the neighborhood in Fort Greene one day and saw them building out this this market. And a friend of mine was like, "Oh, you should just go in there and ask for a job." And I did, and they hired me. It's awesome. So I started with fish, which was really awesome. Uh, and had a, a, a the fishmonger there had a charter out of Sheepshead Bay, so brought me out with him and threw me down below and showed me how to scale and gut and fillet and butterfly and you learn really quickly. Uh, and then I worked at the cheese counter, prepared foods, and then you know I had just sort of worked my way over to this butcher counter. And uh, along that time, you know I was popping into places like Staubitz and Esposito's, kind of poking around, wanting to learn how to make sausage and all this stuff. And I feel very fortunate because at that time you could, you could still do that. It's, it's really hard to do that in places now. Um, and then, yeah. And then, you know, started calling and pestering the Applestone. So I was teaching myself, watching what little videos there were. Right. At the time, at the time there wasn't a lot. No, there wasn't. You know, unfortunately now there's, there's a lot of really great information out there. But uh, yeah, so I um, I pestered them enough to let me come up and and spend uh, about three months up there, and that was it. I was I was on the way. Yeah, awesome. Um, I mean, do you think uh, do you think that butchering is is still cool? I mean, I feel like butchering went through this period of when that article in Men's Health was written, for instance, <laughs> as like being this aspirational kind of like hipster thing and you talk about the like you know you have arm tattoos and you're a musician and like i feel like there were a lot of people who maybe 
have tried to follow in your footsteps of being like, I don't like my career. I'm going to go be a butcher. But like, it's really, really hard work. And, you know, you talk about gutting fish down in the hold of a boat. It's gross. Yeah. And I feel like it's, you know, it's not, you know, people have this like veneer of it being cool the way that article presents it Mm -hmm. without the understanding of like, yeah, it's also really hard. You're lifting things that weigh 50, 60, 150 pounds. Um, Your back hurts at the end of the day. You're standing up, you're cutting your hands. Like it's, it's not easy. Yeah. No, not at all. And I think, yeah, so, you know, obviously the publications that wrote about it were looking for the the sex appeal side of it. And that played very well for a long time. But I think, yeah, people got into it for, you know, various reasons. Um, And uh, I don't know. I was always I I I had worked since I was young uh, and had always that had always been instilled in me so you know coming to it understanding that like yeah there were no surprises as far as as far as what i thought of it i I knew that it was going to be hard work and you were going to be on your feet um so yeah i don't i don't know if i I certainly don't think that people come to it anymore sure with any sort of illusions of like what it is but i think back then there there were a lot of folks that probably came to it and then have probably since left Left. yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like when you were a kid, what, like if someone said, what do you want to be? What would I wanted to be a paleontologist. No I way. Me too. obsessed with dinosaurs. Me too. Land of the lost, man. Oh yeah. I used to, I would sit there and I mean, all the Sid and Marty Croft stuff was amazing. Yep. Right? We're totally dating ourselves. Um, <laughs> but uh, land of the lost with the T-Rex at the end and it would just like come at the TV set and I would run and hide behind it. But you know, I would go to the natural history museum and just like totally freak out and like, Clearly not a dinosaur, but I was obsessed with Godzilla. Yeah. I still am. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to watch uh, on a little tiny black and white TV in the early 80s. I would get up real early on Saturday mornings, and instead of watching cartoons, there was some channel in the New York area. I mean, this is old old days, like pre-cable. Yeah. There was some channel in the New York area, it might have been WPIX 11, would show Godzilla movies. Oh, yeah. On Saturday mornings. Absolutely. And I remember WOR, Channel those. 9. Yeah. Channel 9 and Channel 11 used to show, like, they would just every Saturday or Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would get up in the morning and watch those too. Pre DVR days yep. and yep. all that stuff where you could record <laughs> it and send yourself, you know, messages. Yeah, exactly. You know or look at on. it on your phone while yeah. you're on the train. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just released a new Godzilla movie. Did they? Yeah. Like Toyo style. Oh, like wow. Real deal. Man in the suit. You know, nice. Gaiju stuff. Yeah. 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 Gotta love those. <laughs> um, and do you have any. Uh, any tips for uh, aspiring paleontologists or butchers? Uh, you know, people who are interested in becoming a butcher. Like, what is the like? Do you have like you know? I don't know a sound bite of like. What would you tell someone if they came up to you today and they're like, "I work in finance, but I really think butchering's for me." <laughs> it's, it, it's funny because a, a lot of the people that uh, me and my colleagues have trained have come from sort of the the finance world. I don't know what it is. Um, there's some bloodlust in there or something. <laughs> um, I, for paleontologists and butchers, I would just say, you know, knowledge is acquired. Um, you know, uh, we run a training program and it's, it's, it's a fantastic, wonderful training program. And it's, it's really done a lot to, to shape, I think, 
uh, how people think and feel and talk about butchery. But that's not the only place, you know. We've right. got we've got colleagues here, you know, in the, in the city that have full true apprentice programs. Yep. You know, there there are still places that that let you pop in. You know, I'm sure they do exist. I want them of to course, still exist. Of course, of course, yeah. <clears throat> so I would say just yeah, knowledge is acquired. You know, I've got colleagues that have written great books uh, that I think are 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 wonderful starting places. You know, um, classes. I think, you know, I don't think you just you have to sort of all in jump in right away. You know, there's there's lots of smaller, shorter form classes that really help you figure out whether this is something that you want to do. You know, cool. We're going to take a short break uh, and hear from one of our sponsors and hopefully the pizza that we ordered, I think, is I here. It. I'm a little hungry. Uh, we are at Roberta's uh, at the Heritage Radio Studio. For those of you that have never been here, we're in the back, so we get to watch people eat a lot of pizza. But once in a while, we get some in the studio, too. Uh, and when we come back, um, I would love to uh, talk about what it's like to be a dad in the food industry. Sure. filing your own taxes and driving yourself crazy? Do you think a professional can do a better job of finding legal deductions? Do you own a business and need help with the accounting and taxes? Are you a not-for-profit business that needs financial guidance? Are you just plain tired of your boring accountant and looking for some fresh eyes? Try Fleming and Associates CPA. At Fleming and Associates, Joanne Flash Fleming can quantify anything in a flash. She'll do your taxes, assess your worth, and is even a forensic accountant an investigator of white-collar crime. Joanne Fleming once said, It was terribly hard for me to read Moby Dick, but put a financial statement or a tax return in front of me, it's like a novel. Imagine that. Has the political and financial news got you feeling down? Joanne Fleming was the accountant for the Occupy Wall Street movement back in 2010. Who better to trust with your financial secrets? For more info, go to flashfleming.com or email Joanne directly, J-O-A-N-N-F-L-E-M-I-N-G at flashfleming.com. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum. And today I have Butcher 
butchery educator Brian Mayer with me in the studio. Before the break, we were talking about uh, Godzilla and paleontology and uh, what it's like to become a butcher. And uh, you're not just a butcher. You're not just a butcher educator. You're also a dad, which as being a dad myself, I know is really like... I realized recently, and this is going to come out really terribly for people who aren't parents, but I realized the giant chasm that exists between people who are parents and people that aren't, just in terms of the way we kind of see the world, I think. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about, about being a dad, but also being a dad in the, in the food world, because I think those of us who work in food and talk about food and think about food constantly um, have, a, have some interesting challenges when it comes to our kids. Yeah, well, I I think when you become a parent and you become responsible for another life form, you are absolutely concerned with its health. Yeah. And since food has a large part to do with our health, uh, I am, yeah, I, I... but you, you figure out how to operate within the confines of the, of the world and yep. to sort of, you have this idealized version of how you're going to be as a parent. And that probably is <laughs> very extreme. And then you come to reality and realize that, uh, like, like a lot of things, it's, it's somewhere in the middle, you yep. know, and Absolutely. you like to think that you give your child the proper tools and yep. that they will go forth and do what it is that they do. I also definitely am experiencing, I don't know if you've experienced this, I'm experiencing a little bit of feeling like I'm becoming my parents as I become a parent. Um, I remember very clearly as a kid, you know, we never had sugar cereal around. My mom, you know, uh, would pack us super healthy lunches. And I remember sometimes being jealous of the other kids who would have, you know, Doritos and a pack of Twizzlers or a Kit Kat in their lunch. And that was never, that was never my lunch that got packed ever. And I find myself doing the same thing. And, you know, so I have this, you know, relationship sometimes over food with my daughter, Moxie, who's seven, where, you know, she said the other day that kids at school tease her about her healthy lunch. And I remember having the same thing happen. And so it's this thing of trying to sort of navigate that with her. And, you know, I want her to have a healthy lunch, but I also don't want her to be ostracized by her peers. Yeah. Yeah. For us, it's, it's goldfish. Oh. That's the, that's the one food. Because, like... Yeah, every kid has goldfish. Totally, and goldfish does something to my daughter that it's like it's like crack, like she, it just flips a switch in her. So, you know, we try to approach it like in a different way, other than like, no, you can't have that. Right. But sort of like a more mindful way in terms of saying like, well, do you, you do know what happens to you when you eat that? Do you, yeah. Do you like being like that? Yeah, I mean, and, and so I think that when we kind of do that sort of thing. It uh, it sort of empowers her, makes her feel like she's making her own decision, even though we're sort of nudging her in the way they want. And we've come up with like pretty interesting ways, you know, like you, they live in the world. There's temptation. You can't Mm -hmm. completely remove the temptation. So there's, you know, so when there's stuff that we necessarily don't want her to eat, like candy or something like that, we, we make it about like whatever time of year that is. And that can be like a specific thing. Sure. And we try to guide her towards maybe better forms of sugar, like, dark chocolate yeah. or you know something like that <laughs> yeah. which she doesn't she has an affinity for she she really hates milk chocolate which i 
feel like that's a, a victory. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I agree. I think that's a real that's a real win. I don't like milk chocolate. Yeah. Either. One of the things that I've I've noticed too, and I'm sure you have, is that it's like I mean, it's sort of like having a miniature physiological laboratory living with you, <laughs> because as adults, we're very good at mitigating how a lack of food or intake of food products or intake of too much caffeine or not enough caffeine makes us feel right. You go to the office and you're hungover by and large, unless you're like super hungover, people don't know it because we're pretty good at hiding that stuff. Yeah. Or if you have too big a lunch or if you're hungry, if you're hangry, which is a big problem we mm-hmm. have with our daughter, Same. um, you know, you can hide it as an adult, but as a kid, that stuff is all on display. I don't and know if you, if you talk to my, uh, my partner, my girlfriend, uh, I think she would say something different about me. I think, she, <laughs> <laughs> I think me and my six year old have very similar reactions to lack of food and types of food that yeah. we eat. So. Yeah. But yeah, no, but you're teaching I think, them to yeah. understand it. I mean, as an adult, you know, you may show it, but you're, you're cognizant of it. Yeah. You know, when you're hungry yeah. and you know what that does to you and your interactions with other people, whether even, even when that's bad yes and as a kid i think you can't you don't really understand that yet um protein's a big one for us with our daughter like she needs protein in the morning Mm -hmm. or else her day totally gets off on the wrong foot yeah and so if she just has oatmeal it's too much starch she's got to eat an egg or some avocado or tofu or something yeah it's it's interesting and it's difficult to keep up with like their their rapidly changing tastes and like their attention spans and keeping them interested in the foods and you and you mentioned before about uh what they bring in their lunches and how to navigate that whole world of of school lunches and you know it's 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 interesting we uh we get our daughter involved in in making her food and you were mentioning we were talking before off air about that and i think that's kind of really empowering because yeah, you know, kids might get f- made fun of because they bring something strange to school, but to flip the tables on that and be like, well, I made this. And right. Maybe that's sort of like the the thing that makes it more interesting yep. than like, you know, garbanzo bean salad or something right. like that. <laughs> yeah. <you know>? yeah. <laughs> or something that they just don't really want. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I guess uh, if we play that out really fully, I mean, I, you know, I guess we, we, I could end up in a situation where my daughter is like, well, I want to make my own potato chips, which would actually be kind of cool. Right? I would totally be, be like, for that. let's make potato chips. Yeah. You can't have Doritos, but unless we make them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> let's figure out how to make them. So I think that, and then there's the, there, there's the education side of it. And of course, being in food, the love of, I mean, I'm sure you, you know, probably cook for yourself way more than is practical. I feel like I do sometimes where like I get home and like, I think about, I, I just like ordering takeout is never something that I think like it doesn't, it's not top of mind for me. Yeah. And then I'll like go down the road of cooking dinner and it's late. And I'm just like, man, I could have just ordered something. Yeah. Why am and I would have been a, here a half an hour ago. Why am I making a stew at <laughs> exactly. nine o'clock at night? What's wrong with me? I got to get up at five. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you, that that is it. Uh, so uh, right now you're commuting a bit too, right? You're going back and forth. A little yeah, we're still, I'm still down here. in Philly. Yeah. Uh, I'm there on the weekends or somewhere around there, and then I come up here, and then the family will uh, will be joining me in the late spring. Cool. I bet yeah. that, that'll be nice to not. It'll have be nice. You know, the technology certainly makes it easier. Yep. You know, with the FaceTiming and and all that sort of thing, uh, and um, yeah, so make it work yeah um 
where do you see um, sort of, you know, like, I guess if we're if we talked before the break a little bit about like butchering being cool and, and sort of this, you know, but but more than that, it's really like a proliferation, I think, of respect for food and where food is coming from has been in like the last eight years, eight, nine years or so, 10 years. Um, you know, where do you see that going sort of next? Um, you know, I feel like we're in a moment where. There, there is a lot of good food available. I feel like that's expanding to a certain extent, um, perhaps maybe not as much as we would like with current things that are going on with, mm-hmm. you know, things like the EPA yeah. um, and sort of what's happening in our in our government. But like, you know, in five years, like what, what are we going to be talking about? If, if right now we're talking about people learning about butchering and like, where are we going to be in five years? Um, I think that, you know, so with the proliferation of these sorts of things that, uh it's all market driven, right? And if sure. we look at all these market trends, especially that's with your, meat, that's your uh, economics education yeah. coming out. So you know, people like you, you look at the trends and you read what what what's happening on at the grocery stores and what people are asking about, and you look at like how how people want organic. Now we can talk forever about like the pros and cons of organic and yep. what that really yep, yep, means. Yep. But the fact of the matter is that people are talking about it in a way that they've never talked about it before. Yeah. You know, you're having major fast food companies start to talk about like sustainable, whatever that means, but more so like regenerative uh, forms of agriculture. Sure. So the consumers are demanding it. Uh, the companies are reacting and you know, we're, Really, you know, like what in terms of meat? I, I don't even. What are we like? Whatever, like maybe one percent <laughs> of right. all the meat that's sure. that's sold. And I forget what the what the it's some ridiculously abstract number in the trillions of what meat contributes to uh, gross domestic product. Yeah. But it's pretty big. But we're talking about industrial stuff. But yeah. you know, I think that uh, people are more aware. Um, what I would love to see is. Uh, I would love to see prices come down. Uh, right. And that doesn't necessarily mean that a farmer gets paid less money. Right. I just want is to see this become more accessible to folks. Right. And that doesn't mean that everybody gets to go out and have a ribeye. Like, yeah. you know, that whatever. Like, But there's there's other things I think that we can help uh, mitigate such, you know, such a... a, a a large spectrum of, of pricing. So I, I hope that that's one of the things that, uh, that comes out of all this, you know, more butchers demanding a better product, more chefs demanding a better product. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, the chefs that use this type of product, you know, well-raised animals and pastured animals and grass-fed beef, the more magazines will write about it, yep. the more TV shows, cooking shows that it'll be on, and the, and the public will follow suit. So I think uh, chefs have a lot, I think chefs have a lot more power than butchers in this, uh, That's for a good sure. point. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that the, the other thing too, that I feel like is coming is that as people do sort of have this uh, hunger for appetite for information. I mean, we, you know, we are at a point where you can look anything up on your phone. You can find a video of how to butcher something. You can look up a recipe for how to cook something. Um, you can find out, you know, where the chicken came from. You can find out where the, you know, where to buy the best flour or whatever it is. Um, I think a full, a fuller understanding will start to happen about where the food is really coming from. Um, and I think that that kind of consumer education is super valuable because it sure. will lead people to vote with their dollars, essentially. Yeah. Um, and hopefully if they're, you know, obviously there's an economy of scale always. But I do think that people understanding where their cheese is made, how it's made, um, you know, how the animals are treated. Sure. And then ultimately slaughter. I and mean, that's and, sort of where I'm 
Yeah, well, you've seen this firsthand from starting sure. out in the little back room on yep. Lorimer Street. Yep. Where, like, who would have thought that people wanted to come see somebody carve up a hog? Absolutely. To where we are now, which is yeah. that you know, <clears throat> my la- you know, I run a series of slaughter workshops all spring and and all fall, uh, and. Going back to when we first did it, uh, we were somewhere up in New Paltz, and it was me and and, and, a, and a good friend and mentor, Tom Schneller, who's the head of the meat program at the CIA. Yep. We're standing in a field with a couple of folks from Martha Stewart going, I hope this goes well. Right. I hope this is what they want to see. <laughs> right. You know, uh, and it was, you know, flash forward to 2000. You know, seventeen, and uh, you know, a good friend and colleague, Adam Danforth, with his butcher and slaughter sure. books. Yep. James Beard winner. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, with uh, good friends of mine at Wybrook. You know, running slaughter classes, and we've got forty people standing outside wanting to be a part of this whole process, from slaughter to harvesting the organs to cooking with some of those organs and the blood to a butchery demo to, you know, a however coarse meal. Um, and that's really incredible. Um, you know, it, but like, that doesn't have to be, I don't put that on everybody. Sure. I just want the awareness out there. Right. you, You don't have to come and experience that, but just be mindful that that is what's happening. Well, and that, and I think that's valuable. I mean, we are in a point where hopefully more and more people are understanding that and are understanding that, you know, meat doesn't just come from a factory and doesn't just show up on, you know, styrofoam trays under plastic wrap. Yeah. That doesn't mean, as you point out, that they have to go and like raise their own pig yeah. and slaughter it themselves That's not practical. and understand that sure. it's not practical. It's not at all. I mean, I forget, I forget the, the woman's name who did it in, uh, in Oakland. She did it in the empty lot next to her house. And like the book kind of ends with her being like, this was really a dumb idea. It was yeah. like way too much work and way too annoying. Wasn't it, but Mark, I did it. Mark Zuckerberg said something along the lines of that he was only going to eat meat from animals that he hunted and killed or, or somebody said that and I was like all right that that's that's noble I, yeah but but you yeah might have it, the time well it, I mean it's, it's noble but it also speaks to you know it speaks to this thing I mean I, you know if you remember it must have been like 10 years ago there was the uh, no impact man mm-hmm. right I mean you know or like people who wanted to you know the super local 100 mile diet which is like not actually practical for more and more than a very small portion of the world it's not realistic it's yeah. not and we also are you know and 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 like i want to eat prosciutto yeah it's delicious i want i want to eat good food <laughs> produced by people that are getting paid a fair wage and raise food that's appropriate for their geographical location exactly you know like and that's and that's the beauty of the world that we live in right now is yeah. that we get the opportunity to do that that we actually have the I, you know, I'm super fortunate that I that I get to make these choices. Where yep. there's a lot of people that, that don't get to make that choice, right? And and I think that the, the you know the sort of I hope that the future that we see is one where places like the United States, who are incredibly money and calorie rich, can actually do a better job using technology to share those calories with places where they don't. Absolutely, um, and even and with people in our own country who don't. Yeah, right. Um, well, we're, we're coming up on the end of the show. Um, I just wanted to make sure we mentioned, so upcoming classes that you're teaching. I know you have one tomorrow night at the Brooklyn kitchen. We've got one tomorrow night. I think it's steak. a steak, yeah. steak night. Yeah. We're going to dive into the shoulder and show people that uh, a steak is not just a ribeye and we're going to butcher and talk about raising livestock and slaughtering livestock yep. and cooking and eating different cuts. 
Um, and then uh, also coming up on the 15th of March, there's a pork class, a yep. pig butchering class mm-hmm. at the Brooklyn Kitchen. Um, and then you have a whole bunch of classes coming up at Fleischer's, both yeah. from Red Hook and in Greenwich. Yeah, Red Hook classes. Again, we do another beef-centric steak class, uh, pork classes where... We'll get into making sausage. Uh, our classes up in our uh, Connecticut shop in Greenwich, uh, same sort of thing, sausage classes, beef classes, pork classes. Really just trying to get customers excited about, uh, about meat. Cool. Uh, any other projects on the horizon for you? No. That's I mean, all. it's a lot. It's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of stuff you You know, on. I got uh, an old uh, bandmate got in touch with me couple of weeks ago and was like i want to play music again we should play music and for a second i was like yeah that would be wonderful and then i was like no i don't have time yeah but uh you know maybe i don't know every now and then i dust the i dust the bass off yeah but, do you uh, think do you think you'll return to it sometime you know i think for fun i don't know i mean uh, does your daughter play an instrument <clears throat> she dabbles you know she's yeah. got her fair share of drums and and guitars and things and and she kind of she's you know she's exactly what what I want her to be, which is just open and engaging and, yeah. and trying new and different things all the time. So I don't really push, oh, yeah. you know, it's like I work in food. She comes and does classes with me and helps out, but I don't, you know, it's not something I push on her playing music. It's just whatever yeah. she wants to do. I'm totally happy to indulge all those things. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, any, uh, any other parting words? You can follow Brian uh, on social media. Uh, on Instagram, he's Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, middle initial D. B. Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R. Yeah. That's so, all. Yeah. Yeah. Follow, follow Brian on Instagram. And uh, yeah, thanks, Brian, for yeah. coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, thanks everybody uh, for listening to Feast Your Ears. Oh, you can also uh, if you the website for Fleischers. Just want to make sure we get that in. Yeah, Fleischers dot com. Uh, and there's a banner up top. Uh, go under School, uh, and you can see a full listing of our classes. And there's also actually, and you guys do in fact run a real uh, professional training program as well. We run a, a so, full on professional teach you how to be a butcher training program. So for people who are aspiring chefs or butchers, um, you know that is, and that is something you know that just to go back briefly. I mean, that ten years ago didn't exist anywhere. I mean, when you sort of you know when you and Tom Milan kind of forced yourselves on Josh Applestone, yeah. uh, you know that wasn't something that someone could actually find. No, they, there was no apprentice system yeah. here. There, yeah. you could go to ag, you know. There were, there were universities that had sure. ag programs, sure. and, but those have even, for the most part, on the level of teaching butchery and slaughter, have, have kind of disappeared. I don't know if I don't know if SUNY Copal Skills still running their program, mm. but um, yeah. Um, other than the the, the the apprentice program, which you see in Europe, there's there's not much like it here. Yeah. Cool. Well, you're you're changing that every class you teach. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, Well, thanks everybody for listening to Feast Your Ears today. A big thank you to Kristen Baylor, my producer here, and to David Tattashore, who engineers this show every week. Uh, Tune in next week to hear an interview with David, where I get him to come to the other side of the glass from the studio into into sit down and be interviewed uh, in the chair. And you can find Feast Your Ears, as well as lots of other great shows, at heritageradionetwork.org and are on iTunes and Stitcher. Just look up Heritage Radio Network. And you can follow me on Instagram at the Food Baller. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. 
enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.